Welcome to the Alyssa Cohen Podcast, where I help you find what makes you happy, healthy, and what fills you up. If you like what you hear and want to support this podcast, you can check out my Patreon page, where you can get extra content that only my Patreon community has access to. You can find that and more links at alyssacohen.com. So, hello everyone. Welcome to the Alyssa Cohen Podcast. I have with me today uh, Gal Sasson. His website is Cosmic Navigator. Uh, he's an amazing astrologer, and I'm going to read a little bit of, about his um, from his bio, but I just wanted to say hello to Gal. How are Hi. you? Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> Happy to be here. It's uh, super rainy and gray, so I guess we're uh, in the same weather. Yeah, it's like you're in Boston. <laughs> um, so Gal uh, I'm just going to read a little bit about your bio for those of you who, who don't know you. Gal's readings are the hero's journey of astrology, understanding your past, accepting your present, and designing your future. Uh, he makes Kabbalah, astrology, and psychology engaging, illuminating, and fun. The way he sees Kabbalah is accessible to anyone from any faith and background. The innovative, exa innovative examples that he conjures up to illustrate these high concepts spurs his audience to laugh and then declare aha. Most of all, Gal tells stories, relating a vast array of compelling myths from traditions across the globe to delineate the workings of the inner world. His book, A Wish Can Change Your Life, blends wisdom and metaphors from cultures across history and the entire world into an innovative blueprint for personal transformation and material enrichment. Thousands have enthusiastically embraced his fresh and stimulating approach to its spirituality in lectures and workshops in the United States, Mexico, and Israel. Gal is teaching in, in, in the learning annex of Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, and New York. He currently teaches at the University of Judaism. His work was featured on ABC Eyewitness News as well as KTLA. His work is also featured in magazines such as Self Magazine, Jewish Journal, Portland Tribune, Togi Times, and many more. So I'm super excited to have you here with me today because I had a reading from you last month when I was in LA and it completely blew me away. I mean, I've had many, many astrology readings. I've always been into astrology, but that your reading completely blew my mind because not only were you so accurate in every way about my personality, but the things that you said that happened in other lifetimes, you know, past lifetimes, and then in this lifetime, even about my personality and who I am, made so much sense and connected the dots for me. But then you also talked about what's happening for me uh, this year and then what's coming in next year and the following year. And I know we haven't spoke since, but what the, some of the stuff you said has already started to shift. And, you know, you, I, for me, I feel like it's when you bring that energy in, you start talking about it, it like awakens it. So I'm already having huge shifts in my consciousness and also physically what's happening. And a lot of the stuff that you mentioned, I can already start to feel coming in. So I was completely blown away. And I know other people who have had readings with you for years and they kept saying, you have to have a reading from Gal. And I was like, so happy I finally did. So thank you so thank much. You. Yeah. 
I think that basically it's like I used to be, I used to work in a kibbutz for a while after the army in Israel and a kibbutz is a, a, we were in the Golan Heights overlooking the Sea of Galilee right on the cliffs there and uh, um, we were there like a bunch of young people like in our 20s or so, the early 20s and I chose to work with uh, the land and I've learned a lot because I was a city boy growing up in you know a very industrial place that um, you know, everybody thought I had a green thumb, but I didn't really have a green thumb. I just understood what the earth needs and what the seed needs. And I think that I was able to translate the same thing uh, to everything that I do. Um, for example, astrology, because you can say that in astrology, the seed might be time. And the person itself is like the land. And you put the seed in the land and if they're ready because it's the right season you know astrology was built on the idea of seasons trying to trace the flow of time throughout the year because it was developed in babylonian uh, to help the farmers in sumeria so it was a, a machine to kind of understand time when to do certain things we have it even in the bible um, in uh, ecclesiastes when they have the, the very famous from um, a song remember a time to sow and a time to reap a time to love a time to hate that's the season you know even uh, the idea of a season for everything it's basically if you do the right thing at the right time it grows Mm. including if you're doing a reading, including if you're doing a painting, including if you're giving birth mm. or getting pregnant or starting a business. And that's why uh, of the reasons why astrology works so well for us, because we are creatures that are somewhat trapped in a way, like genies, trapped in this bottle of space and time. And if we know how to manage this space and time, uh, we can manifest things in our life. Mm. It's all about timing and it's all about how we work with that coordination of space and time. Mm, oh, I love that. Yeah, and I love the way you, your take on astrology. I've heard you talk about um, astrology and Kabbalah um, on different podcasts, and I've read a bunch about you. And um, I've heard you talk about like juicing, that you were doing a juice fast and, um, and gardening and um, and, you know, of course, that ties into the stuff that I do, too. So I, I loved hearing you talk about the land and gardening and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's not a coincidence that in Sumeria, they invented writing, they invented uh, the sailboats, they invented, invented astrology, invented science, invented uh, the days, the time, you know, the month. Um, they gave us quite a lot because that was the cradle of civilization. That was the first places where cities were created when people had enough surplus to actually pay to experts. And the whole idea of not having only to uh, you know, hunt and then eat what you hunted or um, look for berries and, and plants and foods and fruits and stuff to eat, but to actually plant it, to actually start thinking for the, of the future. And that's the place also that gave us uh, astrology that tries to understand the future. I don't think astrology is about prediction as much as it is about understanding where we are and what we can actually do. It's almost like opening Google map um, and deciding what route to take, not to get stuck in traffic, you know? Mm. Um, that's precisely what astrology is all about. It's not about fortune telling. It's really about helping us construct what we need in life. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. So before we, I have a bunch of questions for you, but in lieu of what's happening in the moment, at it right now in the world with the coronavirus, can you talk a little bit about where we are astro uh, astrologically right now and what you see coming in the next 
days, weeks, six you months. You know, it's interesting because I get a lot of emails and texts, how did you know? How did you know? Because in the book of 2020, I publish every year a book on the next year because it also forces me to kind of look into the next year, the year ahead. And in the book for 2020, I compared what was happening in January when we had Pluto and Saturn come together for the first time in close to 38 years together. Um, and I, I said, astrology is not again about the future, it's about the past. It's really about understanding cycle and, and understanding what happened last time. So last time Saturn and Pluto were together um, and it wasn't as intense, it was when the AIDS epidemic started. So I, that's why I wrote in the book that there will be some kind of virus, there will be a recession, there will, it will be a very tough year, 2020. Um, because of that Saturn-Pluto that was conjuncting in January 12th, and we had also in January 10, the very powerful eclipse happening at the same time. And eclipse only magnified things. And eclipse usually, the stories of eclipse last six months. So if the virus started around that time, or at least that's when we got conscious about it, um, it means basically that these stories will take at least six months to manifest or to, to kind of like... Uh, uh, work with us now uh, also the last three weeks were very intense because mercury was retrograding pisces and pisces is the immune system lymphatic system and that's where a lot of the seeds you could say of the spreading is actually uh, taking place now in april it's starting to get in april middle of april end of april it's gonna start getting a little bit more clear about the stuff because our biggest problem here in the united states is that uh, we messed up really big uh, as a country really, really big. I mean, the United States used to be the leader of these kind of things. Everybody used to look at the United States to see what is going to be done. Now, we are very, very far um, behind. So I don't think we even know the extent of what is really happening. And it will be clear in the next 10, 12 days, uh, definitely. Uh, because also what's happening in, in like after May, after April 5th, 10th, is that that conjunction of Saturn and Mars, which is usually indicates uh, plagues and stuff like that, it's going to be over and, and those two planets are going to move away. Saturn is going to move away from Capricorn, where it was, into Aquarius. It's happening very soon, until July. So the interesting thing is that, yes, there was going to be a lot of uh, disruption to air, because Saturn is a planet of karma, and it's moving for the first time in 30 years into Aquarius, which is an air sign. So you can see a lot of issues. You're already starting to see it with Boeing losing half of its value and uh, mm -hmm. if flights being canceled. And of course, this is a disease that is uh, airborne and mm -hmm. forces us to have issues with uh, coughing, lungs. But it's interesting also, I was just thinking about it today. I was preparing a video for, um, uh, for my, my friends in Bulgaria because they're starting to freak out there as well. Mm -hmm. That, um, you know, Gemini is very involved in what's happening right now because Gemini is an air sign. It's a mutable air sign. And my biggest concern with the virus is not what's happening now, is the mutations that will come out of it because so many people are having this virus. The usually viruses and mutate and they mutate to something weaker, but when there's so many of them, there is a chance, statistically speaking, that it will mutate into something worse. Wow. So my concern is much more uh, the mutation of it. And it's interesting because Gemini is all about information. Uh, were ideas, uh, words, information in general. And virus is also spread through that same uh, means. A lot of people that actually study how virus spread actually study more uh, how ideas uh, mm -hmm. spread. It's almost the same kind of um, uh, dynamics. 
And Gemini is information, Gemini is air, Gemini is the lungs, which is what affects us when the disease hits us, the coughing, the shortness of breath, you know. Uh, but also they tell us that the biggest way to deal with this is not quarantine like some people think, it's more about washing your hands. Mm. And funny enough, hands are ruled by Gemini. That's mm. why a lot of time we talk with our hands, that's why there's sign languages, that's why um, we express ourselves with our hands. Mm. So the hands, the lungs, the nervous system, they're all Gemini. Mm. So even to combat this spread, we have to wash our hands. So I think that more than panicking and all that is just trying to learn how to deal with it by spreading, you know, by literally washing our hands, which is washing our Gemini, you know. So, and I have a feeling that this whole thing with the virus, it came in a very specific time, astrologically speaking. At the end of this year, we have Jupiter and Saturn coming together to the grand conjunction in Aquarius and it's shifting from Earth where it's been for hundreds of years into air and they say always when the grand conjunction moves from one um, element to the other like it's happening this year uh, something shifts empires fall uh, power uh, changes and shifts around the world and we can start seeing it happening right now um, and that's going to be a Gemini, I mean, what's going to happen in uh, December 21st, right, on the solstice, is that Jupiter and Saturn, the two planets that are most important in our transits, are coming together, like we said, um, once in hundreds of years back into air sign, which is going to be there until 2159, at least 200 years almost. So um, that is considered to be the gateway of uh, the age of Aquarius or some kind of leap forward in relation to humanity in general because Aquarius is ruled by humanity. So I think this is all kind of makes sense. You can say God is in the virus. Wow, that's so how long do you like astrologically do you feel like this is going to be this whole like freak out and the whole like spread of it do you feel like do you can you see astrologically how long? I think it's it's going to take time. It's really going to take time. I mean, at least if it's related to the eclipses, we're talking about at least until July 4. The funny thing is that the United States is the most vulnerable, I feel, because it's going to be very difficult to shut it down, even if there is some fantasy from some nationalists to try to shut down uh, from the foreign virus, they call it, which is kind of pathetic. But I think that the problem is that the next eclipse that's going to be very powerful is on July 4th which is United States birthday. Mm -hmm. So when eclipse falls on a birthday, it really talks about getting sick, uh, difficulty with uh, um, thinking the right direction, the right way. So you're talking about the eclipse happening in a very patriotic day, mm. a time where uh, you know the rise of nationalism and all that is still happening. So you know it's, it's gonna be tough because I think that maybe the, some parts of the world will actually get over it. And you know how we didn't allow Chinese people in here? I think you're going to start seeing very soon a lot of countries don't let Americans in. Mm. And that's part of that energy of karma, you know, the Lord mm. karma balancing uh, things around the world. Mm. So I think it will take time. And I think we haven't reached yet the peak of it. The peak of it is still to come, especially in the United States. Yeah, because I, I have a lot of my healer friends saying this is just going to be over in a month. It's going to be, you know, it's all fear-based, but it's, it's also, you know, I can see both sides of it. It's, it's happening. It's, it's like, for me, it's like, it, it feels like a huge cleansing in mm -hmm. so many ways of, 
the the structures that we've had and the people that want to check out and you know how we're going to stand up and live our life it's like a lack of dreaming and imagination and how do we what are we going to choose a planet of love or hate but it it the is the issue the big issue is i i don't i don't think the virus is dangerous what is dangerous is our reaction to the virus and i don't think we're panicking mm -hmm. i think it's not true because i think that if you look even what happened already in places like Italy where the hospitals are completely clogged up. And then when you have real situation where people really need healthcare uh, experts and people that can help them, they're not gonna be available or they're gonna be really sick. Mm -hmm. So the issue is not you and me or um, our kids or stuff like that. It's not like the black plague that killed one third of Europe. Mm -hmm. You know, This is something different because it forces us to look deep into our, how we invested in our healthcare yeah. how we invest in our healers that's really where the source is the panic is not about um you know will there be zombies walking in the streets contaminating people you know and stuff like that it's more practical in the sense of how do we deal with the whole idea of health and healing which mm -hmm. was very neglected lately and politically speaking was used very cynically by a lot of people who try to take healthcare away from people mm -hmm. you know so um, now that's what we're facing more than anything else yeah and that's yeah. why i think that it's nothing about the virus. I think it's about our choices. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, most of our issues in life, personally and globally, is choices. Choices we make. I don't buy the whole, you know, the weather is terrible. The weather we made terrible. Yeah. Or uh, there is hunger. No, there's enough food for everybody. We just don't share it. Or there is terrible diseases. Yeah, because you're spending so much money on guns and uh, weapons instead of giving it to scientists to solve uh, uh, problems, you know. now. We know that about a year and a half ago, two years ago, there was a very, we were very close to a vaccine for something similar to uh, uh, the COVID-19, but uh, the funding ended. Nobody believed in it. Now we have the same issue. If you look, even in New York Times, they published an article recently about antibiotics, about how um, all these companies that are trying to develop all these startups, antibiotics to the future, because of course, you know, we know that uh, bacteria are mutating and changing and getting resistant they're going bankrupt because nobody wants to invest in it because it's not enough money, you know? So again, we're gonna face in two, three years, maybe even sooner, issues that might have to do uh, with bacteria that could be much worse. Mm -hmm. you know? So definitely it's choices. It is our free will that causes most of these problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe we create our reality. So it's like a collective. Right. All right, enough about that. <laughs> so, um, can you say a little bit about, you know, I know people say, oh, my, like for me, I'm a Gemini and my um, moon is in Leo and my rising is Libra, but people don't really know what that is. Um, I think, can you say a little more, can you tell me what, like your sun sign, your moon sign, your rising and any other planets that um, we should be aware of or what, you know, what they, what that means? Um, you know, the sun sign is your, your destiny or who you are in a sense, your tribe, what you strive to become, uh, the color that you decided to wear in this lifetime, maybe because in past life you refrained from doing it. So maybe you were born a Leo in this lifetime uh, because maybe many lifetimes you, didn't, you weren't a Leo and you want to learn how to become a Leo. It's your tribe, you know, it's your, it's your country in a sense. The moon sign is how you react to things or your um, your instinct when you react without thinking without having to be colored by reason so it's your reflex in a sense and that's your moon sign that's why it's very animalistic and it's very subconscious and it's very grounded 
Then you have your rising sign, which is your path in this lifetime, or what you came here to learn in a sense, or uh, what kind of path you're walking on. So you could be a Gemini who is uh, very bad about information and want to and strive for knowledge and, and data. But if you're a Pisces rising, your data has to do with mysticism or poetry or dance or movement, or you deliver messages uh, through dreams and intuition because you're a Pisces rising. If you're a Gemini with uh, Libra rising, maybe your information has to do much more with uh, fashion or maybe you justice and law and you're interested in precedence and justice and courts, even though you're still a Gemini. So you still belong to the tribe of information, but your rising sign could describe what kind of information you're carrying with you. And your moon sign is how you react. So you might be a Gemini, it's all about information. Your moon, your Pisces rising, so your information is about uh, movement, but because your moon is in Aries, you're much better in martial arts and movement that are aggressive because the moon is in Aries and Aries is fight. So your instinct is to fight rather than uh, just um, be a poet, you know. So that's how you combine your trinity. It's like a formula. Okay. Who you are, where you're, what you're walking on, and how you behave in an instinctual way. Okay. And um, what about like all the, like your Venus and your Mars and the houses? Is that, you know, I always have people say like they want to learn astrology and it just seems like a lot. Um, you know, you can always, uh, my second book, Cosmic Navigator, is actually the second chapter is about how to interpret your own chart. And if people go to my website, Cosmic Navigator, there is a free tab there called free content, and there's a lot of lectures for free. And then you, there's an engine there that you can do your own chart for free. And I've you don't done have that. To pay or anything. Yeah, yeah, so that way you can do your charts and then uh, for your friends and for you and to start learning it. It's a language. So mm -hmm. I can't tell you you can learn Spanish in five days, you know, but through practice, uh, it's a language of symbols and um, you could learn how to make more sense. Um, the houses are areas in your life where the planets are activated. Uh, the planets are the engine behind. The signs are the filters by which those engines are uh, manifested, you know. Um, so your planets would be what kind of energy? The houses will be where that energy is in your life. Mm -hmm. And the signs will be how those energies are manifested. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, it's kind of a language. Uh, your Venus sign will be how you relate to money and to your values and to your art. Your Mercury line or your Mercury sign is how you uh, communicate and how you deal with business or negotiation. Your uh, Mars line, Mars uh, sign will be how you expand your energy and how you feel, uh, how you push things. So every one of those planets depends on the. A sign and where they are in your chart, as well as the, the geometrical, uh, you can say, relationship with other planets. That's sacred geometry, which is astrology based on. And your planets, so you're born, when you're born, the planets are in a certain area and that creates your sun, your moon, and your rising. Yeah. Then the planets move around your chart, correct? Yeah. When the planets move around is the transit, the same way that I was born in Israel, but I live now in Los Angeles. I moved. But still, I'm going to always have a very strong affinity to Israel, even through my accent, through my appreciation of hummus, and through me reading uh, every day in the morning a newspaper from Israel, wanting to know what's happening there, even though I'm not there. That's my transit. I transited to Los Angeles, and maybe one day I also lived in Mexico for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, half of the time I'm traveling around different places. So 
if um, you know there's a curfew in Italy and I'm stuck in Italy, it doesn't matter that I was born in Israel and I live in the United States, I'm stuck in uh, Italy because that's my transit. I was transiting there, you know what I mean? So the same thing with the planets. We don't always look only where the planets are when you're born, but also where are they now and what is their relationship to the planets when you were born. Mm. Okay. Um, you also work a lot with the Kabbalah, right? I use Kabbalah as a, as a system of thoughts because I really like some of the premises in, in Kabbalah. And Kabbalah and astrology are very linked. A lot of the uh, uh, famous Kabbalists were actually uh, astrologers. Um, so there is a very strong connection between the two. And, it, and, and Kabbalah helped me get a depth to astrology that um, astrology alone sometimes, unless you have another system to work with, doesn't have because you know for example i taught a lot in russia and places like bulgaria and a lot of the um astrologers there they are more based on the russian uh, uh technology or not russian uh, way of thinking especially because it was developed especially during the communist that uh, refrained from any religion of mystical uh, look it's very mathematical it's very robotic it's very much if then if then as if astrology is some kind of a program that God uses to program the world, you know? But uh, my, I feel more connected, maybe because again, I'm a Pisces rising, to more of the mystical aspect of it and the, and the fact that everything is one. And astrology is another way to understand the oneness, you know? Not to break the one into the million in order to understand it, but much more the opposite, to try to see oneness in everything. Mm -hmm. So for me, Kabbalah was a system that really helped me get depth or more colors to astrology instead of making it black and white, like some astrologers that are more fate-oriented are. Mm. And what do you think of Ayurvedic astrology, or Vedic astrology, I think that's called. You know, Vedic astrology also was developed from the Sumerian. I know that they like to say that they developed it themselves, but we know that it's not true, that they actually got it uh, from diffusion from uh, Sumeria. It started drifting there. And actually, funny enough, even though a lot of them will never agree to it, a lot of the reason why the Vedic astrology is like it is today is because of the Hellenistic influence. Because once Alexander the Great took over uh, Persia and Babylon, uh, it basically created a landmass from uh, Greece all the way to India. And in Greece, they actually started developing the first natal chart. In Babylon, they were not interested in your chart or my chart, but much more about the kingdom or about certain things that must happen in the universe. Or if Venus is rising in then, this means that you know, the son of the king will be kidnapped or whatever, stuff like that. So it's the Greek that made it much more individualistic. And that also influenced the Vedic astrology. The Vedic astrology is more lunar. Uh, Western is more solar. And I think that it doesn't really matter if you go to a Vedic astrologer or to a Westerner. It really depends on how they interpret you and how they connect you. The same way that I think both of them work the same. I don't think you need to argue and say, well, in the Vedic, they told me I'm Pisces. And here they say I am a... Aquarius, you know, that doesn't matter if you stop only there. You have to take the whole thing, you know, it's like almost like a recipe for making uh, bread and you stop at the fact that you're using whole wheat and she's using um, corn, you know what I mean? Okay, still, let's move on. Let's see what the final product is. Mm -hmm. And I think that a good Vedic astrologer and a good Western astrologer will help in the same way individual if they're doing it in the conscious and the right um, way. It's the same way that I don't think there's something much better about cognitive psychology or 
uh, humanistic astrology it re uh, or a, a psychology it really depends on the psychologist mm. okay and you uh, do you believe in reincarnation no i don't believe in it i know it's the only thing i can say that i have no faith in it because really? i absolutely know that it works i oh. don't have any doubts or any i don't need faith for it so okay. it's like an alien will come and say there's no reincarnation i would tell the alien to go back to where he comes from because he doesn't understand how it works okay um, if somebody comes and tells me about something else maybe i'll say okay maybe you're right you know but i have no doubt about it it's something that shamanists in um uh, Russia talked about is something that you find in African tradition they talk about, Native American talk about, Hindus talk about, Buddhists talk about, Pythagoras talked about, the Bible talks about, or at least um, the Kabbalists talked about, Sufis talk about. It's too many cultures that had nothing to do with each other that came to the same conclusion. So mm -hmm. for me, it's kind of the truth. Yeah. And you read past lives with people too when you're doing their chart, correct? Yeah, if something comes up that is important, yes, because sometimes it's like the same kind of thing that it's important to look at back what happened to you at the age of one or two or three, even though you don't remember it, you're influenced by it. And the same thing uh, you can say um, about memories from past lives. So when you're reading someone's chart, you're doing, I mean, I know, that, like I know when I got my chart read from you, um, you were reading my chart, but you were also tapping in, right? I mean, do you consider yourself psychic? And I mean, for me, you were saying stuff that, yeah, you were reading my chart, but it was definitely. I think that, I think that everybody on this planet, once they develop a skill, it doesn't matter if it's motherhood or office management or construction or a pianist uh, or a writer or an astrologer or a psychologist you have a skill you learn that skill that's what they call in buddhism your form but then there is the essence the emptiness you can call it the body and the soul if you really want to and that is the psychic intuitive energy so once you are developing a skill it doesn't matter what Eventually, what happened is that uh, the intuition is poured into it. I don't believe in people who are only intuitive, that have no skill. Mm -hmm. Even if the skill is just a lot of time reading the news or reading books that are not connected to psychic energy at all, but then the psychic energy has somewhere to go. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. as if uh, a painter, it's not enough to be a painter. You need your colors and you need your canvas. So I think that anything that you do really uh, and you focus on, and you develop a skill for eventually intuition kicks in i don't have to tell all of your listeners who are mothers and i'm not a mother obviously that if you would develop a skill as a mother which means that you fed your baby that you woke up in the middle of the night every two hours to feed them that's skill that's a skill i can't do it you know what i mean it's a skill you develop as a mother then then there's moments of intuition and psychic energy how did you know that your uh, kid is suffering and you called the school and then you found out that the bully was really beating him up Mm -hmm. or how do you uh, know certain things before they happen oh she's psychic no she's a mother mm -hmm. who developed her skill and now she has intuition mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i think that's part of being human mm -hmm. yeah i mean you're pretty tapped in though wouldn't you say <laughs> Again, I, I don't know because i brought people like after i don't call them and say hey what i told you doesn't make sense you know uh, and a lot of time, you know, for me, I do a lot of readings on the phone and Skype, and I don't like to look at people. Oh, I really? I don't like to look at people because I don't like to get there, uh-huh, or 
Yeah. Uh, or body movements, because I have to read what I read and what I feel, mm -hmm. and I don't want to get influenced by their uh, reinforcement or lack of reinforcement. You know. Right. I understand that. Even when I when I work with people over Skype or in person, sometimes it is easier not to see them because as a human being, I have judgments too. I'm not judging them how they look, but you know, it's natural to do that. And that kind of filters what I'm feeling and knowing. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, people tell me, you know, I came to one of the feedbacks that I got, which I guess is not a good feedback, but I don't care, is that uh, one person introduced another person to me and she told her before she came, just that you know, he's very impersonal. He looks at the computer the whole time. He doesn't even look at you. <laughs> and I thought it's true. I do look at the computer. First of all, that's what I see. I look at the chart. And they didn't come here to to for me to look at their uh, uh, clothes, you know, and their jewelry. I look at the chart. But again, even if they're in front of me, I'd rather not be influenced by their subtle, um, minute little gestures, which mm -hmm. is very easy for me to pick up because I pick it up very very fast and be influenced by it. And then maybe tell them things that they would be like, "Wow, how did you know?" Mm -hmm. but not really helpful for them in the long run because if they already know it, why do I have to tell them? Right, right. So um, that's something that I've noticed, uh, that it's easier sometimes without looking, again, because then you allow that psychic. And then I read that um, Mozart, for example, used to uh, ask his wife to talk to him while he was composing. Mm. It helped him focus on his music, which is really interesting because music is the right hemisphere, and when the wife was talking, it was activating his left hemisphere, allowing his left hemisphere to do something so he can free his right, right hemisphere to write music. Ah, that's so I think that that's, again, a reinforcement of what we just talked about. Yeah, sure. So you say um, that, last, that your last name is associated with your tribe, um, mm -hmm. that they, your last name connects to your ancestral story and where you came from. I find that fascinating. Can you talk more about that? Like my yeah, last name. Oh. You know, last names are pretty new. Depends on where you are. 500, 1,000, eh, 500, 600 years. They're new because they're, they, they tended to be too many people having the same name. So if I come to a village and I'm asking for John, they'll ask me, which John? Uh, what do you mean, what John? I know it's kind of tall. What? John the baker, ah, John Baker, he's over there. Or John Hill, the one that lives on the hill alone. Yeah, yeah, John Hill, you know. So slowly that became a way to identify people, but a lot of time it relates to profession or description, you know, uh, or um, uh, qualities. And because they were attached to the family, it started passing around, you know. And usually in most culture, it passes through the men, even though I recommend for women to have as a middle name, their maiden name, and especially to look at the meaning of what that name is, uh, because if your last name is Brave and you don't want to have that name, maybe your maiden name is better for you, mm. you know, um, or if after you get divorced, a lot of women want to keep their, la their last name from the, from the ex, just not to confuse the kids. But come on, kids these days don't get confused that easily. They even don't get confused between masculine and feminine, mm. and they want to actually make it more eye binary. So it's, it makes sense for the Z generation, the alpha generation, uh, that their mother have a, maybe a last name. And the last name is like your tribe. So I don't think it's as important as your first name because that's really your story, your first mm -hmm. name. But your last name might define a little bit your story or help you understand where that story comes from. Hmm. So, uh, so you read first names too, because I know when you were 
um, doing my chart, you talked about my name and the meaning of that as well. Sometimes I ask people if they know the meaning of the name because it's really important, to, I think, to tap into the, the meaning, yeah. Is it energetic or is it from the Kabbalah or is there like no, a, okay. a story? Okay. And it's the essence. Even Kabbalah, the oldest book in Kabbalah, the book of creation, the first stanza in that book, which means the first of the first, it talks about how God created the universe with three books, a, sto a story, communication, and a number. So, you know, the numbers I take by asking you when you were born and where you were born, because it's coordinate. And the name, I mean, the story is your name, because your name is one word that condenses your story for this whole life. It's the one word that creates the most amount of the emotional reaction from you. Mm. So that's your story. Okay, cool. Um, so what do you say to people when they're like really tied into their astrological chart and it's kind of let, like I have a friend who is constantly referring to astrology and I feel like it kind of runs her life. You know, people can get religious mm -hmm. about everything. Mm -hmm. about yoga and then they get injured mm -hmm. about jesus and they start injuring other people mm -hmm. about um astrology and then they get paranoid so mm -hmm. it really about you know even the greek and when you came to ask uh, uh, anything from the oracle of delphi she was sitting between two pillars you know of apollo to remind you nothing in excess and know yourself so yes you do need to know yourself and astrology works and yoga works and vedic astrology works and everything works but nothing in excess, mm -hmm. meaning you don't have to wake up in the morning and check the astrology chart to see what's happening today to decide if to get out of the house or not. You know, I sometimes do travel all the time in Mercury retrograde. You know, of course, I will try not to buy a house during Venus retrograde, and I would not take anybody to court in Mars retrograde. You know what I mean? I will listen to the big things. Mm -hmm. The same way that um, even in religion, there is certain things, treat your fellow as you want to be treated yourself there's certain principles that are really really important but mm -hmm. to get into like if at six o'clock i should drink in your in shabbat a red wine instead of white wine because god really cares looking down from above uh, if you're drinking red or white according to the hour that's a little bit petty and it's pathetic so people will get too paranoid about astrology and i don't let people there some people wanted to uh uh, keep me on retainer so they can call me a few times uh, a no, day no. or a week and ask me uh, about things. No, I mean, really? we do a chart once a year, every six months. Mm. Uh, if something's really happening, you need to get married and you want a date, you know, great, we can do that. But I don't feel that dependency and codependency is something good. And mm. when you get into mysticism, there is a tendency to be dependent and codependent. And you see it with people who are sometimes... Um, get sober which is great mm -hmm. but then they get really religious about veganism mm -hmm. and then it's okay if you're religious about veganism but then you don't go to parties because they also have a, mm -hmm. a barbecue there or you don't go and uh, have a glass of water in your friend's uh, kitchen because she also cooked cows two days ago mm -hmm. come on you know what i mean, uh, I do so know what you mean. Yeah. it's all about <laughs> balance right know? yeah i totally agree yeah so is there anything else you want to tell people about astrology, Kabbalah, anything? Um, I think that the most important thing that Kabbalah taught me, Kabbalah in Hebrew means to accept, is to accept. Mm -hmm. So I think the whole idea uh, of Kabbalah, what it wants to help people is acceptance. Once you accept yourself and accept your situation, then you can use the magic, uh, your meditation, your visualization to change things in your life. 
So mm -hmm. I urge people to accept themselves so that they can change and not mm -hmm. think that if they accept themselves, it means that that's it. Now, uh, if I'm overweight, if I accept myself as a overweight, it's gonna be like that forever. No, if you accept yourself as an overweight and you love yourself as you are now, now you can start peeling it off mm -hmm. because you accepted yourself. So mm -hmm. same thing with accepting your sign, accepting your chart can help you change. Yeah, excellent. Cool, so I know you were supposed to fly out here to Boston yes. and New York and do some events and we were gonna advertise that, but that just got canceled. So um, is there, uh, you do readings online? Yeah, I do readings um, online. They can contact me through Cosmic Navigator um, and, um, or my email, which is my name, GAHL108 at Yahoo, it's easy to remember. And to go to my website and get uh, a lot of the free stuff there. Okay, cool. And you're on Instagram and all of that as well. Yeah. Cosmic I think it's Navigator. Cosmic Navigator, yeah. Okay, great. Well, I can't thank you enough for today. Well, thanks a lot. Awesome. I'm happy we managed to do that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Gal. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Don't forget to check out my Instagram at Alyssa Cohen Raw. You can also watch these podcasts on my YouTube channel or listen on Podbean or iTunes. And make sure you check out my Patreon where you can get member benefits, rewards, behind the scenes content, and live streams with me that only my Patreon family has access to. You can easily find links to all of this on my site at AlyssaCohen.com.